Doji Diplomat is not too good. Train players are just terrified that all of their good cards are going to get restricted. <laughs> Toshimoko screams from jail. Toshimoko <laughs> has made everybody jumpy. Doji Diplomat is fine. Is she very good? Yes. But mm. that was intentional to make the archetype play. Hello and welcome and Merry Christmas. This is Court Games LCG Podcast hosted by me, Trevor Cuba, a.k.a. Kikita Onimaru. And here is my uh, tainted Santa Claus partner. Taint- Man, I'm just reaching. I should have like pre-gamed this introduction. <laughs> Who's my partner here? My name is Max Williams, also known as Mackie No Oni or Whacked Mackie Online. I'm just looking at your Discord avatar. It's just a, that turtle you always have wearing a Santa hat. That's what yeah, he's my Santa turtle. He's got he has the correct times to be festive. He has the correct hat for the right time of year. And other random holiday pun is our special guest, uh, Tyler Parrot. I can't think. I I spent 30 seconds trying to think of a way to make a parrot Christmas analogy, and I came up with nothing. Clearly did not prepare this. We, I mostly just parrot back whatever you say to me, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Yule, everybody. Oh, thank you. You must have yeah. a lifetime of just, like, furious of people making bird jokes all the time, don't you? Um, fun personal fact, uh, my both of my parents are veterinarians. Um, oh. <laughs> so I have been making parrot jokes about my own self and my own family my whole life and i still find them funny so so far so good oh that's good <laughs> glad, glad to hear it i've keep getting like my last name is cuba and a lot of people are just like are you just named after a country like yeah apparently i am i have no idea why i'm not cuban and or hispanic a lot of people try to say like cuba or something like they try to put a twinge on it because like oh, he can't no. be named Ooh. after a country oh no that just sounds like trouble <laughs> and then, like ten years ago, I kept getting a bunch of Cuba Gooden Jr. jokes, and then as his as his stars faded, those jokes have went away. So, <laughs> oh good. <laughs> but yeah, to start things off with, like before we get into this interview, Merry Christmas! How do you guys plan on spending your holidays? Uh, at my house with my wife. Well, that's one way to do it. That's. Yeah, I mean, I it's not like we're going to see family or anything. Like, <laughs> super yeah, not about we talking- that. We were talking before the stream, and I was like, my plan is to spend a Japanese Christmas, which, due to a popular ad campaign by KFC in Japan in, like, the mid-70s, it's now Christmas tradition in Japan to go and get a bucket of chicken. So, maybe as a black person, I shouldn't be feeding into stereotypes, but that's my plan as of right now. It's better than nothing. I will never understand how KFC managed to pull that particular magic trick off. (laughs) Marketing, son. (laughs) I mean, Um. yeah. (laughs) Marketing is the path to uh, success when capitalism is your default societal norm. It's true. KFC KFC has influence everywhere. I remember one time I this is just gonna be a quick tangent, but I was in Jamaica for a vacation with my family, and uh, you know, 
we were like the only white people there and we said we were going to go out for food and some of the local boys were like oh because you're white you must be going to kfc that was like the fanciest place they could think of <laughs> wow it was the local kfc we we're like no we thought we'd get something like local and authentic they're like why would you want that when there's kfc <laughs> I mean, I still do that. I was at work getting lunch with my uh, with my uh, coworkers, and they were like, hey, where do you want to stop for lunch? Hey, let's go to Panera Bread. And also want to go to Tropical Smoothie. I was like, ooh, you're eating fancy. And then as soon as I said that, I was just like, how poor have I lived my life where I consider Panera Bread and Tropical uh, <laughs> Smoothies to be a artisanal, bougie <laughs> meal to have? Yeah. Well, I, I won't go with artisanal or bougie, but I will say overpriced <laughs> yeah i mean yep. i guess that's where my line is yeah yeah <laughs> more than three dollars for it, it's too much yep all right so it is that time of year again a new restricted list is out some other developments in l5r are going on and stuff what's not going on is tournaments as of yet but hopefully you know 2021 will uh change that Man, uh, but i Tyler, sure hope you... so yeah I mean, just for that, that for our personal health and also the health of the game, because I imagine it's hard to like you know play the, the these board games that is like your little career <laughs> is based off people interacting with each other, and we're not doing that so much right now. No, it's been really hard and weird. Like, it's 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 weird because like, well, we're, we're still met. We're not, you know, like out of business. So that's good. Mm. It's hard because yeah. like, so it's like, it's not like the world is, is falling apart business wise, but like all, a lot of the personal satisfaction of doing my job comes from letting people watching people play my game and that's not happening. So, you know, that that's, that's kind of rough. Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah, L5R, it's, uh, it's, it's trucking along and stuff, but the, uh, the, the glory of it was always at the, the coat tie and the big events and getting to meet everybody and hang out for a little while. And the game's almost secondary to the, the, the social aspect of it. Absolutely. Mm. Um, in light of this, so we have a new restricted list out and, you know, people have opinions. And stuff. I think it went pretty well and stuff, uh, overall this time, but there are some like, you know, concerns about the community that we're going to talk about today. And I feel like the first one is cause Tyler, I consider you my friend or, you know, at the very worst, you are my L5R associate of who I have no ill will towards, you know, <laughs> but, you know I like to think of you as a friend. Yeah. Uh, and I want to check in with you. Not, you, 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 you are no stranger to the, nerd card game social parasocial dynamic of cards come out you know everyone's got their pitchforks thrown at you and stuff so i just want to check in with you like how you 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 anticipated some aspect of this one i imagine it like kind of like sucks going through it and stuff how do you how do you hold together with this stuff <laughs> um i mean right now i'm feeling good because Everybody seems to be, or this this most recent Imperial Law update seems to be very well received. Uh, every mm -hmm. people, you know, there's some grumbling, but for overall, everyone seems to be pretty happy with it. Now, I felt pretty confident that that would be the case. <laughs> Although I'll admit there was some uh, some grumbling right before it came out, but after it was finalized, that was like we need a extreme shakeup. We gotta like deal with all this stuff, and I'm like, well. I, I think what I did is going to address a lot of your problems, but like you're asking for a lot more than what's about to happen. Um, but like, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit later and stuff. And it's, it's almost like two different situations of 
an RL to like correct the meta and like stay the course versus a structural rebalancing, which the community seems kind of split on of how much they want one versus the other to a degree. Yeah. Well, and, and to, to answer the question that, that you started with was like, I'm, I grew up in, in sort of the, the hobby card game social media sphere. I'm still actively part of it. I, my expectation for grumbling is like, pretty high and so i have a thick skin with regards to people grumbling about stuff that i've done sometimes i even laugh you know if if people are are being irritated about something and i can understand that because they don't have my sort of inside perspective of course if i were them i would probably feel the same way uh and and so if if they got a vent then they got a vent uh i'm and and i'm happy to listen you know so long as it doesn't get super you know personal insulting kind of deal that's good i'm really glad to hear that because i know how you know nerds can be and i know like if you haven't learned by now l5r is a very particular state of the sky is always falling and i always say like the one time that we thought the game was doing pretty good in an okay direction i got sold to ffg (laughs) like soon after yeah that's that's a fair point and 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 for what it's worth like i've seen similar reactions in other card games that i've played uh, l5r doesn't feel that unique in that regard only only in that the l5r players are consistently passionate enough to be consistently you know have something to talk about or complain about uh, if if they're feeling negative like um i would be much more concerned if no one was talking about anything because nobody cared yeah yeah that that's that's the true death I, I often say the sky has been falling in every card game I've ever played ever since they were released. Like, Which just means that you play card games that people are passionate about. I see yeah. that as a good thing. Mm-hmm. But um, so my first question to kind of kick things off is uh, more of a philosophical ones. And I realize you're going to have to dance around this heavily. Uh, but I have to ask because you've touched on it a few times and it kind of like lays the groundwork to you know, your ideas of design and a restricted list and the game in general. And you've mentioned before that sometimes cards, when you have an idea, you sit around designing cards as you drop, uh, you have an idea and then you put it through the process. And by the time (laughs) two years later, when it hits our tables, it's a much different card than you thought it was going to be, or things have changed. I was wondering if you could walk us through what that process. So like you have an idea, you do your whatever submission is, and then it gets approved by whoever, and then it gets play tested by whoever. And what what is that as much as you can talk about? Uh, in one sentence, the process is, uh, you can't see my fingers, but I'm holding them up in sequence. One, uh, I design a card. Uh, two, once I have a full card set, uh, it gets play tested by volunteer playtesters for a handful of months. Uh, and then three, uh, the card set, uh, the internal development team, the, the card game team, uh, revisits the set from a game design perspective just to make sure nothing's gone wildly off course. Usually we have very few changes at the end, but like uh, the the other game designers do look at it before it goes, you know, it goes to printers uh, and then it goes to printers and then six to 12 months later, it hits stores. Um, and as you have alluded, a lot of things can change uh, along that pathway. Um, mm-hmm. Without getting into too much detail, um, uh, it's pretty common for a card to end up on release 
different, obviously very different from how I originally imagined it. Sometimes that's because I design a card, we play test it, turns out for whatever reason, the card just can't exist and needs to be wholly redesigned. That happens a lot. Uh, uh, A lot of times cards will get play tested and iterated on regularly. Um, Something that I think I've said, and if I haven't, well, I'm saying it now, which is that like, Something that people often overlook when they're talking about playtesting is that they assume that the playtest process is the same as playtesting after a card is released, where you, you're playing with the, the cards and then you can get a sense of like how the cards work and what they do and how good or bad they are. Uh, a lot of that is thrown out the window when you're playtesting cards that are still in development because the cards change every two weeks. So like... Mm-hmm. Uh, a card might start play unplayable and end up busted or vice versa because like if a card is let's let's take an example uh a card exists and uh, it is it's it's zero fate neutral card discard a character obviously that mm-hmm. card's busted but for whatever reason we're play testing it we'll add a mm-hmm. condition maybe it has to be a character with no fate okay it's still too good okay and we'll add a condition let's say it costs two fate now okay so now it's two fate discard a character with no fate. Okay. Uh, and then that's still too good. So let's add another one. You can only play it if your uh, bid is lower than your opponent's. Um, and then we'll, that's and then we you know we keep playing it and it's still too good for whatever reason. So uh, we'll add that you can't play it if you have ten or more cards in your hand. Okay. So now we have a card that costs two fate. Uh, it's still neutral because uh, usually clan affiliation doesn't change because I have, you know, a skeleton. There are so many cards for each faction in a set, etc. Uh, mm. It costs two fate. It's neutral. Uh, you can only play it if your bid is lower than your opponent's, and if you and you can't play it if you have ten or more cards in your hand, and it discards a character with no fate. Pretty sure that card's unplayable. But you yeah. see how we got there, right? We kept sure. adding things to it because every time we were playtesting it, it was too good. And sometimes... Your playtest data is are accurate, and sometimes you get fluke games. Um, there have absolutely been cases where it's like, here's this card, and it seems reasonable in the like dozen games that we played, uh, plus the like you know two dozen games that it was played with and reported to me. Uh, but then it comes out, and now you get 600 games played with it over the course of a weekend, and it turns out the games that we saw happened to be when it was okay. And there's this 30% chunk of games where it's super unacceptable, right? Like, mm-hmm. so sometimes you don't have perfect data. That's just un- an sure. unfortunate fact of life. Um, and the length of L5R in particular exacerbates that because you can't get as many data when it takes a long time to play the game, right? And you can shortcut some of that by like, we'll play a game and we'll get, two thirds of the way in and we'll say, okay, we're good. We have the data we need. We don't need to um, keep playing this game, even though I would like to, the game's fun. Right. Um, Mm, Yeah. And, and vice versa, the opposite can happen where here's this card. uh, It's completely unplayable. And, you know, play testers are like, Hey, this card's unplayable. I don't want to put it in my deck. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it better. Uh, And they're like, eh, it's still bad. And okay, I'm going to make it better. Oh, it's still bad. I'm going to make it better because humans have memory and memory impacts thoughts, uh, which is an obvious thing to say, but I'm going to reiterate it, which is like if a card starts out garbage 
and then I make it better, people are comparing it are, are still have this card is garbage attached to it in their brain somewhere. And so even mm. if it's objectively fair, uh, and I'm not saying this is just the playtesters. I do this too, right? Like uh, some, there have absolutely been times where I've overcorrected a card because I'm like, I want this card to be good. And every time, every other version of it hasn't been. So I'm just going to keep dialing it up until, you know, it seems good enough. Um, okay. And, and, and here's the catch, right? Is like what I've described sounds fairly obvious of like, yes, you're playing with power levels and things are not always very well known just because of the number of variables going on, especially for a game like L5R where there's tons of variables to begin with. Uh, and that's that the later you make changes in the process, the more dangerous it is. Sometimes late stage changes are necessary. And sometimes late stage changes just happen because there's a deadline. And well, I'm still in the process of developing. So in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, but what about this? But what about this? Okay, well, we'll try this version. Oh, well, we only have one play test left. I mean, we'll play it and see how it goes. But that's only what, three games or 10 games if I'm lucky? Um, yeah. Just total. And if I make changes at the very end of playtest, it might be zero games. So those are the times when I'm much more concerned about adding power to a card, where I'm much less concerned about removing power from a card. Obviously, there are there are memes. Uh, there are your gooses and your command by names that become memes um, because they're weak. But like, I would rather have five gooses than one lost papers because... Lost papers will make people quit the game, more likely, right? Sure. Well, you know, um, there is something to be said that one lost papers could make people quit the game and stuff. But if also a faction keeps getting goose after goose after goose, which I would say might be something like the Dragon Clan or some other or factions in the past have doing stuff, that can have like a collumative effect too, I wonder. But I think you've kind of answered my question of because the underlying reason is like, how at the end of the day do we something when it reaches my desk? You know, I'm a buyer. You know, I will look at something like, Oh, stoked insurrection. It's like, oh, this is very obviously bad. And I have to ask myself, how did this slip through the cracks versus something else that's like completely garbage? I was just like, oh, some of these cards uh, are so terrible. Like, it, it, you know, sure, you make some cards for a, not everything has to be for the high end market, high end competitive play, but it's just like, I don't even know. This is just binder fodder. How how does this you know pass muster? What was the intention? What was the dream here that failed in production? You know. Well, and the other angle here is that, again, because of deadlines, it's actually very common for me to be very confident with a set when I send it off to get printed, and then six months later, when the first pack gets announced, that's six months of me getting a better handle on what the balance of that particular expansion looks like. That's six more months of me getting a better handle on what, what really fun L5R looks and feels like. That's a, a better handle of me getting, or, you know, right. Six more months of me getting a better handle of what the clans want to feel like and how they play against and with each other. Like it's very common for me to be like, Oh man, I finally figured out exact like three months after I hit print on Lost Papers. I figured out what Lost Papers was supposed to be. But it's like, mm. well, that was three months ago. 
Yeah. And now I just have I to kind of live with it. You were very confident about the dragon pack. <laughs> and you're, I remember you buying your tile like, oh, you guys wait. You'll see the glory of the dragon pack. And <laughs> well, and, and um, part of that is just that I have a different evaluation of cards than the collective public do, which is an unfair comparison, right? My playtesters also have a different perspective on what the collective public thinks is good or bad power level wise and or good for the game. And individuals in the public have different opinions from each other, right? Like there isn't just a single bar for what is appropriate or fun or acceptable. Everyone has their own and sometimes they can clash pretty significantly. And that's within the public, let alone, you know, between me and or my playtesters, me and or my playtesters and or the public, right? Like, uh, I happen to think I, I will, I will, I, I've been saying that I think Kachiko is very powerful, but not like significantly better than a lot of the other five drops, you know, five cost characters in the game. I'm looking at Imperial, uh, Yoshi and Imperial Ujiaki, for example, like those are, and, and people, you know, freaked out when they came out too. And they, they're not even played anymore, you know. Mm. Uh, Yoshi might be, but uh, uh, like, but uh, at a certain point, like, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the what the if if people are not playing the game or not enjoying the game, then I'm allowed to be wrong. Like, I'm you know, uh, I'm here to make what I want to be the most fun game for the audience. And if the audience aggregately agrees that a particular card or mechanic isn't fun, then maybe I'm just wrong and I'll do better next time. Right. Like that kind of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Makes sense to me. <laughs> um, my next question, bit of a personal one. Uh, you promised me on this very podcast <laughs> <two months> ago, <laughs> that you would not touch my baby girl, Doji Diplomat. Why do you hate me? Me uh, specifically. <laughs> I could say I'm allowed to be wrong because I just said that. And that yeah, would be fair enough. and that would be an appropriate answer. But I'll mm -hmm. go one step further and say, I don't think I was wrong because what I said was that I think Doji Diplomat is a fair and balanced card in a vacuum for the game. The problem is Doji Diplomat lives in an environment with uh, wealth of the crane. Yes, but also two kind of busted holdings. Now, admittedly, I'm responsible for both of them, so it's not like I'm going to shuffle blame off, right? Like, Kikita Dojo and, and Tea House are both, I think, above the curve. Um, and if I were designing them now, I would nerf both of them. Uh, but it's not a digital game, so I can't. And ultimately, it wasn't... I, I, I genuinely considered restricting five different cards in the Doji Diplomat slot, and I, like, did all of the spreadsheets and and uh, uh uh you know red string on the on the conspiracy wall of okay but if i do this then what do the decks look like and if i do this then what do the decks look like and if i do this you know right like and it basically came down to i want i don't want to at this time separate toshimoko from kikita dojo i think kikita dojo mm -hmm. is the biggest uh the 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 biggest offender as it were um Mm -hmm. But I didn't, and and I and I, but I don't want to separate it from Toshimoko, 
because I think the, the Toshimoko Dojo plan is a cool plan that encourages you to select Toshimoko from the restricted list. Uh, hmm. But, you know, then I have to consider if there's the Diplomat Dojo plan with Wealth of the Crane and, and all the holdings, then like, okay, can I make that worse in a way that it feels like it's a choice between two decks and not a choice between the good deck and Toshimoko or the bad deck and Toshimoko, right? Like it it came down to the way that I could make break up the deck a little bit uh, in, a, in a way that felt like it was evenly balanced with itself ended up being that it had to be Doji Diplomat. And yeah, I said Doji Diplomat uh, didn't need to be on the restricted list, but turns out I was wrong. So there you go. Yeah, the listeners don't know, like, after we recorded that last podcast, I was just like, all right, marks are off. Hey, Tyler, here's an email. Check out this dumb deck that I made. Do you still <laughs> think the same way about Doji Diplomat? Like, oh, no. <laughs> I will comment uh, a little bit on um, Kikita Dojo. It's going to go a little bit to what we're going to talk about later, about overall, like, what is the ideal state of the game. But I sometimes I feel like the... the issue with doji uh, or kikita dojo and dueling in general and thus toshimoko kind of has more to do with the the tower meta and you know a, a single unit getting perpetually strong just creates this like unreasonable challenge that you know mid and low tier decks can't handle and stuff that's that's just my speculation i just i, I, I felt compelled as a crane to throw that in there i did i've always liked Do, uh kikita dojo because i think it was, might have been the first time I interviewed you back at Gen Con way back in the day. Uh, you were, like, hinting towards a... You, you told me very cheekily, like, oh, there's going to be this crane dueling theme that's going to be cool where a crane can just initiate a duel just for the sake of saying the words, I start a duel and not worry whether they win or lose and, it, like, good things happen. And I've never seen someone, like, knock a design goal out of the park harder in my life. I really enjoy it, you know? Thank you. I will I will accept that. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will add to, uh, not to that specifically, but I'll just throw out there that, like, part of me, when I hit hit submit on Curse of Misfortune, which just came out, there's a part of me that's hoping the existence of that card can help alleviate some pressure on specific cards on the banned and or restricted list. That mm. This is not me committing to, I'm definitely going to unban or unrestrict anything, but like, I am hoping that it does enough to uh, de-incentivize people from just all-in towers that maybe some cards that used to be problems are less problems now. Okay. Uh, moving along a little bit, because we're still in the RL, and I don't want to talk about the RL too much, because as you pointed out, like, it's been overall well-received. There are some players on the top and low end of the spectrums who have some, like, questions about it, but there's no, like, you know, egregious changes and stuff. Uh, there is something that was mentioned, we were talking about earlier, about, like, oh, you can only throw so many, you can only throw so many duds at a clan, you can only throw so many, like, real massive bangers, and then take those bangers away instantly before it starts to, like, um, develop a kind of like negative collective, you know. Uh, so some something that's been going on with the Scorpion player fan base is they're getting a bit demoralized, despite like consistently being a top tier clan. 
I guess it also means that they're not all necessarily top tier players to like reap those rewards and stuff. But uh, it's it's hard for them. There a lot of people are citing to get excited about a car because when they say, "Oh boy, we've got a new preview with this card," that's gonna get banned. And that's going to get banned. And they get, like, two or three cards banned, like, every RL and stuff. And we realize, like, there's a, a, a systemic issue with Scorpion that kind of causes some of these things. Uh, but how do you feel about, um, yeah, like, how, how much is too much? And how much can a Scorpion player or, or any kind of clan player really expect? And kind of, like, on that not, uh, topic, like, this game deals with clan loyalty differently than any other clan deals with a faction loyalty. I can it more towards... Do you familiar with fighting games at all? Me and Dan Mui talk about this every once in a while. I, I have heard this comparison before, and I think it's fairly appropriate, yeah. um, with the added caveat of fighting games usually have... Each character has a single play style and a single identity, whereas the clans simultaneously have an identity but also want to have variety within the clan, which you don't have in a fighting game. Cause like, it's much easier to be, to be like, Oh, uh, um, my fighting game of, of the fighting game. I have the most context for is super smash bros. So, uh, it's easy to say link is, uh, just, just has a favorable matchup all the time, always with, uh, with Kirby or whatever. I don't actually know if that's true, but, um, uh, it's because like, each one, yeah, you can have slightly different tactics, but they have one basic like strength and weakness and playstyle. Whereas, like, it's much harder to say, oh well, uh, unicorn is favored against crab or something. I don't know. Uh, but like, if I take the best unicorn deck I can find and like a middling crab deck, or sorry, the other way around, if I take the best crab deck I can find in a middling unicorn deck, then then it doesn't matter how all of the other unicorns and crab matchups go, the the better deck is going to beat the weaker deck. And then you add play skill to it and it's a whole different thing, right? Like, um, so I'm, I'm realizing I'm going on a tangent, so I'm going to stop, but basically <laughs> I my, say that's, a, that's kind of the, 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 yeah, the, 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 the dream of it and stuff. But sometimes it'll feel like if I, it, some cl mat many clans could like name their matchup where it's like, oh, it's not like this clan is better than me. It's bar a, you know, severe shift in the game state or something like bizarre happens, like that fluke happens and stuff. Uh, this clan is going to beat me nine times out of ten. And some of these matchups, it's, it's not even a matter of uh, game skill. It's like, I've got the FU card and now I've lost, you know? Yeah. And, and Scorpion. And I, I intentionally, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I intentionally try to design and balance the game, both with card design and with Imperial Law updates, to minimize that as much as possible, right? Like, I want every deck to have a, a, a hope and a desire to win. Um, but randomness is what it is. Some players are going to have better draws than their opponent in the particular matchup, and some players are going to be better than their opponent in a particular matchup or at the, the game. Um, and because L5R is a long game and you can't play it in high volume, the results of a particular game are going to feel more impactful than they would in, again, like a fighting game. We can play hmm. like 20 rounds of, you know, 1v1 in half an hour or maybe 40 minutes. You can get one game of L5R in that time. 
And yeah. one loss feels a lot worse if if it's one loss out of I went eight and twelve. But if the one loss is I went zero and one, like that feels a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I to go back to the point of the question that uh, at hand is uh, how much do you take into consideration like you know it's not just the l5r player base like sometimes there's just a lion player and the lion player wants to use his lion cards mm-hmm. uh how many times can you feel it's okay to take away or alter things uh before it's like okay i've 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 before you give like, me a cup and stuff like, okay, I've taken too many things for you. I understand why you wish to walk away right now, which is not our goal. You know, we want more people in this game, right? For sure. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question because you actually originally asked about LOL Scorpion question mark. Um, mm. So I'll answer that, which is like Scorpion is in the unique position of, of a, it's a convergence of circumstance that results in the clan that we have right now. One, their primary themes are about rewarding the Scorpion player for being in a losing position. Being less honorable mm. is generally a losing position. Having dishonored characters mm. is usually a losing position. Scorpion players say, oh, great. Let's say when I'm behind, I'm better. So they're going to have a harder time losing because every time you start to make them start to lose, they get better, right? Uh, yeah. The other one is they had some just really, really, really good cards early on. And so... They won a lot early on. Uh, they punish play mistakes from the opponent more drastically than uh, a lot of the other clans do. So mm. um, if someone makes a mistake against a scorpion, it's going to cost them a lot more than if they mistake make a mistake against a unicorn, for example. So uh, they their mechanics ad- advantage them when they're losing. Um, they had some very powerful cards early on. Um, the the They're more effective at leveraging an opponent's mistake which is important when the play skill is lower because both players are making a mistake so unless it's a mirror match one player is going to be more punished for making mistakes than the other so they're going to feel it more um and and then like scorpion honestly scorpions are really popular faction like i don't want to just take one of the most popular factions and then give them coasters for a year and a half um i still want to give them good interesting cards but because they have this pre-existing reputation of being busted and unfun to play against, any single card that happens to be slightly too good is seen as the end of the world. And I'm not criticizing the player base for that. Like, that's a reason, you know, there's a reason that people have that reaction. But my point is just that Scorpion cards tend to get more or have gotten more uh, more attention than a lot of the other factions do. Um, and the my hope with this most recent update is that it mitigates some of the need of the meme of Scorpions always need to get restricted, right? Because honestly, City of the Open Hand was a big problem. And mm-hmm. I tried eroding it, that didn't work. I tried restricting it, that worked, but not really. Like, it, it took it out of half of the decks, but like the decks that used it were still just as oppressive. Um, mm-hmm. and so, but I can't ban it because it's a course at stronghold. We've already gone into that. Um, yeah. So, so I apply the errata and does the, does the errata take it out of competitive play? Probably, maybe not, but mm. probably does it feel bad to have your course at stronghold eroded to where it appears to be objectively worse than 
uh, other clans good strongholds. Mm. Yeah, that feels bad. And and there's no way around it. But if I didn't do something about City of the Open Hand, then we would gen I would genuinely expect to see Scorpion cards going on the restricted list every update because Scorp I want to keep printing good Scorpion cards and I don't want to keep printing I don't want to print overly good Scorpion cards, but a good Scorpion card feels worse to play against than a good dragon card or a good lion card. Um, despite the fact that there are a bunch of lion cards that are just objectively better than a lot of the scorpion cards that I made lately. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people who are uh, like concerned that like lion weren't touched on this recent RL. <laughs> uh, I considered it. Um, and, and there is, there is definitely a short list of lion cards that I will go to first if they get out of hand. But I mean, I'm following the player run events that are happening on social media. Um, and yes, discord is a social media. Uh, and it, it's not like lion were, you know, crushing all of their opposition. Um, yeah. And also like, I'm aware of the fact that, and, and I was already going to restrict common cause for uh, a whole bunch of different reasons, but like, I knew that taking away common cause was going to impact the, the premier lion deck in a big way. And so I didn't want to, uh, there wasn't sufficient evidence for me to specifically go after Lion when I already knew that the best Lion deck was going to get some collateral damage and be hopefully pro brought down a noticeable peg. Mm. Okay. Uh, the, the question I was going to uh, mention before, because we had talked about this last time we had talked about like Scorpion's kind of inherent uh, advantages. And I don't, we want to we make more, like we, you want to make more Scorpion. <laughs> good cards uh but there's no way that we could just like stop making cards that feed into their natural advantages like i know you tried to make uh cute and bayushi uh but you know not, i haven't seen uh, a lot of headway into like the ninja archetype or the shadow weaver archetype or things of that nature there's been hit, uh, bits here and there and stuff but usually it's more like oh hey everything that kind of works gets folded into like the one of the primo actually scorpion has like several top tier decks they could just like shuffle that stuff around as much as they want to uh but you know i've never ever seen a, like a strong ninja theme coming out yet or uh, whatever Scorpion does. There's a bunch of lying backstabbers. <laughs> um, I mean, my short answer to that is simply, A, uh, as you said, they have a lot of themes. So, like, yeah, most of the cards are going to go into the themes they already have because they have a bunch of them uh, that are good. Uh, two, the second half of the Temptation Cycle has more cards that are... Or I should say, the first half of the Temptation Cycle has the Scorpion cards that play into the existing Scorpion decks. And the second half give you the new stuff. So, hold your breath. Yeah. Fair I guess fair I guess don't don't hold your breath. I mean, oh, okay. it's, there's only one pack I, I a month. I don't want that. I at a at a LK pack. I, I, I don't want you holding your breath until like March or whenever whenever the cycle is going to end. <laughs> okay. Um, only uh, which is which is perhaps an inappropriate way of saying more new stuff is coming. Uh, let's see. Uh, try to move ahead of there because we got a little bit of time. Um, next two questions are kind of the same thing, but the first off is so this time last year there was a major rules shakeup where you just burned down the Phoenix Clan for crimes against humanity. Uh, we didn't get that this year. Uh, you didn't think there was a need for massive rebalancing? I would I, I, honestly, I would say like things are like relatively balanced right now, but I would comment that you know perhaps there's an opportunity to 
you know, make a mass sweeping change to kind of like reset the game to, you know, instead of a perpetual growth point, like just balance everything out to a state that you like artificially create. You know what I mean? Uh, You didn't think that was necessary or desired or was that? Uh, People don't like change. And so if I'm going to like burn down the game and rebuild it from the ground up every year, that's too much. Uh, that is very not sustainable for most people. And a lot of people, probably you included, um, would love that kind of thing because it makes the game very new very often. But for anyone who's not, you know, logged into L5R every day, coming back, you know, six months later and finding out that the game is just completely unrecognizable is a really good way for them to just not come back at all. Um, so... Mm -hmm. I, I have no intention of overhauling the game on a regular basis. It just happens to be, you know, that last year, this time I added a band list and that was kind of a huge deal. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone agreed. Like all the changes you made last year definitely need to be changed because and it kind of goes into, uh, I should, my next, uh, okay. I'll, I'll also just add that like the other big shakeup in air quotes that I did happened in March, very poorly timed when I added a whole format. And then no one could play it because the world exploded. <laughs> Boy, I'm st- I keep forgetting. I literally keep forgetting exists, and I'm so excited for skirmish because I think it has so much potential to get new people into the game. But boy, can I not test that theory? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as I was saying, that kind of leads into my next thing. So recently, uh, on the L5R feedback uh, room in the Discord. Uh, Nick and some other people, Nick from the Meek Informant, who I interviewed uh, last week, in an interview that I forgot to post because I'm an idiot. Um, just, just blame. Uh, to, just, just blame the internet. It'll be fine. You say you you did it and the internet didn't work and then you had to do it again. I blame Max. It's easier that way. Oh, okay, that's reasonable. <laughs> I accept the blame. Somehow <laughs> interfered with the uploading. <laughs> you know how it is. Uh, but yeah, there's an open letter that's been going on. It's been signed by a number of, um, well-known L5R players, and it seems to be, like, put together, and, um, have you had a chance to, I'm sure you've read it, and then you also, uh, listened to that interview that I did with him, uh, a couple of days ago, right? Uh, yes. I was, I was, I was, I was forewarned that it might be valuable to listen to that interview. I have obviously read the open letter several times at this point. Yeah. And it kind of goes into this thing where there's, um, if I could succinctly put together, is like there's a consternation growing amongst, we'll call it the like hardcore L5R crowd, I'll say. And it's like they've listed all these points. And if you go into this, the conversation on the feedback thing, there's a lot of counterpoints. Like this is a thesis of demands of what changes just kind of like a general like trends that seem to be rubbing people the wrong way um and even when i talk into dick both on cam uh, on mic and off mic he was like it's he expressed to me is like oh there's this issue with this game that it's like hard to verbalize you know what i mean and this is kind of what we're talking about with people that wanting like massive changes and it kind of leads me to an ultimate kind of question which is actually my my next question is <laughs> what is the what is your ultimate game state like when this thing is healthy and doing good what is L5R in its best format uh, what is considered like a powerful 
car, what is considered underpowered, you know, what's considered reasonably NPE, like something that was recently pointed out, like uh, matchups between Unicorn and some Lion decks. They're not winning all the time, but you come up with some casual players and are having not good times being run over by these wackadoo formats that just happen to get eaten by bigger fish in the pond. Going to think, like, what's your... Like, this is kind of a big soup <laughs> of several different things, but what's your feelings on, like, the overall state of L5R and what you're trying to achieve here? Uh, I want L5R... In response to the letter. I want, L5, <laughs> I want L5R to be exciting. I want it to be uh, challenging. I want it to be uh, skill testing. I want it to be... Um, uh, 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 I'm going to use the word narrative, but not narrative in the way that maybe you think that narrative usually gets used um i mean i always think of story prizes but <laughs> i want it to feel um i want it to feel like you are trying to push a big rock uh that is very heavy and your opponent is trying to also push the big rock and it is very heavy um mm. i and and i and i also want it to feel like you have to manage a bunch of different things at the same time and you have to you know weigh the pros and cons of uh, i want there to be no easy choices but i also want the game to be fun and exciting and emotionally engaging like i don't want this to be a game that devolves into uh i don't want it to be a game that is only uh high uh high intellect deep in the tank um thinking six turns ahead it's all just chess anyway like i don't want that to be the only version of the game i also want there mm. to be the uh emotionally engaging oh man i assembled the i i assembled uh my hero and now my hero is going to go defeat you or uh oh man i sure wasn't expecting you to have that card at that moment and now my entire plan falls apart like um uh it's important for a card game like L5R to not be one thing. And that's the big challenge, right? Is because some aspects are going to be more fun to some people and other aspects are going to be more fun to some people. And there are a lot of people, sometimes myself, but not always, who do want it to be this like high strategy game of high grind, high strategy game of chess where I have to play around the three let goes that I know you have in your deck and I have to make sure you use them on the wrong cards at the wrong time, because I know we're going to get through most or all of our decks. So like, I can guarantee you're going to see them at some point, right? Like, uh, that's a version of the game. That's fun. The I'm going, I have to bait your cancels with my less important cards because I know you have seven cancels or whatever. Um, that is a fun game. What is also a fun game is I'm going to do these, you know, powerful, aggressive things and I'm going to try to win the game. Uh, and if you stop me, you stop me. But like, we're going for it, guys. Um, but if you're in the second camp and someone plays Forged Edict on you, that feels really bad because you just said, all right, we did it. We're going for it. And faceplant. Now I lose. Mm. And in the first version, if I play a card like uh, Consumed by Five Fires... Your like carefully strategized organization of resources just completely crumbles because the one card was so strong, right? Like, mm. um, 
the challenge is that I want it to be both. Uh, and also different people have different priorities. So there will be times when I make a card for camp A that camp B hates. And there will be times when I make a card for camp B that camp A hates. And I'm, you know, inappropriately binarying this, but those were the two examples I had. Um, mm. And the hope is it's not so punishing for the group that doesn't love it that they want to stop playing. But it is fun enough for the group that does want it that they do want to keep playing. Does that make sense? Like, I want uh, to make cards for different audiences, but I don't want them to be so unpleasant for other for not the target audience that the not the target audience turns away from the whole game. Sure. In, in, a, in, a, in a very generic answer, I don't want to <laughs> poo-poo your answer and stuff, but broadly speaking, no, it makes absolute kind of sense. And I think we could all agree that's where the game should be. Uh, I want to give you a hypothetical uh scenario which i think encapsulates what is the open letters trying to get at because the open letter talks a lot about like very blowout plays and kind of what we were talking about earlier where we said like some clans aren't just like advantages over some people some people are just like hard stop over mm -hmm, some others mm -hmm. and there's some other strategies that are just like very low skill like hey i i got my my i win card now so now i won so in, this is, I believe, pack four, pack five. Um, I'm not even sure. But anyway, Desecrated Shrine is a card that was previewed <laughs> recently in the fan. Yeah, sure. And uh, it is when, revealed, discard, says, when revealed, discard 10 cards from a deck. Any deck. Your sure. choice. And me and Max had pointed out that there is a Scorpion deck out there right now that is, uh, is talk about like themes that like kind of fell to the white side. We're discarding your opponent's deck to force the Dishonor loss on them was a big uh, linchpin of that one, you know, and it's just stopped getting played because uh, other strategies prove to be better. Um, let's say we live in a world where that deck plays this card and it's really good, mm -hmm. but there's a hard counter to that with Shuffle Goblin, but there's a hard counter to Shuffle Goblin with Assassination. So yeah. now we live in a world where, despite all of the bells and whistles and the trades and the actions and the characters and stuff, Ultimately, the game is revolving around a set of three different cards. Desecrated Shrine to Shuffle Goblin to Assassination. Whoever sees theirs first wins. Is that okay? And it's not saying that that's what's going to happen, but it kind of like speaks to the sorts of issues that I think that uh, people who are uh, like, you have, like I said, a general uneasiness with the meta are uh, alluding to with this open letter. That is... And I'm not sure if it's a feature or a bug. I'll say it's a feature. Maybe it's a bug, but I'm going to use the word feature. That is a feature of any expandable card game. Um, mm. As the card pool grows, the power level of card combinations and the consistency with which those combinations can be fired off is inherently going to grow because there's only so much design space, which means you're going to see similar cards. Some cards do similar things to each other, right? Like I can't just make zero cancels for the rest of the game. Hopefully I can make the rest of the cancels I make interesting and unique, but it's not like I'm just going to print zero cancels. So theoretically the 20 cancel deck could theoretically exist, you know, however many years in the future, like, um, and by the same token, uh, there, there are going to be certain combinations of cards that are just so good. They can end this end the game on the spot. And yeah, I watch out for them, but it, to assume that that's never going to happen is frankly naive. Um, and 
part of that is what the restricted list is for, right? Now, obviously, I don't want to do that. And that's why I try to seed in answers for, for threats before or around the time when the threat appears. Uh, like, hmm. did I know that uh, something like... Um, this wasn't the specific one, but I'll use it. Did I know that something like... Uh, um, uh, oh, what's it called? The, the the crab dynasty event that puts a card in your stronghold province. Um, reinforced defenses or something. Uh, uh, Max, this is your back. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the reinforced defenses sounds right to me. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, I knew that that card would be awful to play against with any really good holding, whether that holding was um, uh, whether that holding was Cooney Labs, whether that holding was Blood and Oil, whether that holding was redacted that hasn't come out yet whether that whether i because at the time i didn't know uh if the walls were going to be amazing or terrible right like maybe the wall deck was just going to be completely unbeatable and if the wall deck is completely unbeatable that's going to suck so yeah i'm going to make a season of war and does it look weird when the answer to the threat happens in the same pack yeah a little bit but that's kind of the point right is that like i would rather give you the answer and then if the threat proves to be a real threat you have the answer here ready to go. Um, so to, to your example, I would, I would say that there are other ways to deal with a, um, with the, the desecrated shrine, uh, that beyond shuffle goblin, there's also anything that cancels province abilities, whether it's, um, uh, uh, return from shadows or the new lion character that blank, that permanently blank provinces, whether it's, Doji Diplomat revealing it early so that you can play around with the fact that you're now ten now down ten cards. Uh, if you know that's the right, if you know that's the matchup, then maybe you need to just not spend any of your cancels until uh, until your sh shuffle goblin shows up, so that you can't. Oh, uh, there's also the crab event that that saves your guy from being assassinated, right? Um, uh, uh, yeah. uh, whatever it saves a guy with printed cost less the number of broken provinces. Yeah. Um, Right. So like there are other tools uh, and and I will often intentionally put tools out there to solve problems that I know might exist. I know that provinces have the potential to be busted. That's kind of why I leaned so heavily into right province ability interaction uh, with in the Dominion cycle. And I overdid it in a couple of cases. Um, and I acknowledge that. But like I would rather overdo it than say, here are these busted provinces, or I know that there are busted provinces and the tools that I gave you are insufficient feels really bad. So does mm. here are busted, busted cards, but like, uh, I would, that's why I had such a variety of them in that cycle. And that's why you're going to see a few more cards that interact with, you know, interact with ways to prevent provinces from beating you because provinces are inherently busted just by a rule like most of them don't cost fate to do anything and have powerful effects so like there that's just a feature of the game so um i realize that i probably went on a tangent here but the point is <laughs> um i the the that is there there is a very fine balance balancing act being struck between printing good cards, printing answers to good cards, and then using the restri the restricted and banned lists to deal with 
threats, or answers that are just way over the line. The hope is that I don't ever go way over the line, but given the things we talked about, to assume that I will never go way over the line is also kind of naive. I don't think anyone's asking perfection, especially, you know, you know, we all know that, you know, you are, you have a very small team and like, you know, we know, we know what the, the game is and what the process is. Um, I guess so that the people can be heard. Like, do you at least get a sense from the open letter that you kind of like feel a sense of where their consternation is coming from and the sorts of interactions that are like creating more negative emotions than positive ones? Uh, in fact, a, a sense of that. In fact, I'll go one step farther and say some of the concerns that they were specifically talking about were concerns that came to my attention um, that I realized however many months ago when I was working on the temptation cycle, right? Like mm. uh, it was during the temptation cycle that I realized, hey, maybe we have too many readies. Am I going to print zero readies for the rest of the game? No, but I'm going to be way more intentional about when and how I do it. Um, mm. And if I need to address some of the over some of the problematic ones in the past, like common cause, then I will. Uh, uh, it was during the temptation cycle that I realized that uh, I might just need to ban magistrate station and, and deal and just accept it. Just like this card can't be in the game anymore because it's really a f like trying to design cards to not break magistrate station was making the cards that I was designing less fun. And mm. at some point you just have to say, I want my cards to be fun guys. And so now Magistrate Station's banned. <laughs> at, at, at some point, we just need to take uh, Toshimoko off the restricted list and then everything will be okay with the game. <laughs> I mean, not to not to jinx myself, but like there is a part of me that hopes that Toshimoko will be more reasonable as a card if the metagame is full of curse of misfortune and it means that you can never make him good enough or make him mobile enough to be the kind of problem he used to be. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying I'm going to take him off. I'm just saying, like, part of me hopes that the answer that I put, you know, the better answer I put to solve the problem that has been a problem for a while means that fewer cards need to be addressed through such specific ways as banning or restricting. Uh, one final question, because I know we're running short on time. And this is one you said you had a short answer for me already and stuff. <laughs> one I felt is uh, relevant to bring up already and stuff, but uh, on the feedback uh, page, uh, Pugin, poster on there, uh, brought up the question of uh, sideboards. Because, and I was reading through some of the things that kind of like prep like what I was going to ask you today. And it occurred to me that I feel, because of the rock, paper, scissor nature of some of these like plays counterplays that are like listed in an open letter and stuff. Mm -hmm. I personally locked down to this uh, Pugin's question because I feel like the presence of a sideboard while making some aspects of tournament prep more complicated would kind of, to a degree, solve some issues where like if I'm up against Max and he's got his, you know, uh, crabby crap stuff, I would put all my anti-crab stuff in there and stuff, which are like horse crap you know, compared to when I'm playing a scorpion or lion, you know, I would love to like have a small thing. I'll be able to cycle my meta card in and out of the deck as needed. You know, what, uh, what, where you stand on sideboards? Um, uh, uh, my answer is actually a little bit, uh, since talking, I realized uh, I have a slightly more to say about this than, than I did when, when Oh no. Okay. This is your fault. That when one. we went beforehand, <laughs> but, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, my answer is a, uh, we, 
we did this in Game of Thrones, the card game, and mm-hmm. it didn't go over terribly, but it didn't go over well. It, it, it didn't effectively solve the problem that it was seeking to solve. Um, and so I have no reason to think that it would effectively solve the problem here when it didn't in that other game, which is similar enough to be a reasonable point of comparison. Sideboards in a best of one game just kind of don't work, in my opinion. Um, the other thing that I thought of, that was that was my original answer. And then my add on is this, which is that I'm not in a position to be able to experiment with the game in the uh, in in the way that some of the community wants me to. Um if I make a big game, you know, big significant game or tournament change and it goes poorly, like a lot of the the game hurts a lot because mm-hmm. a I made it official and or I sanctioned it, which means that it has more weight and uh B that means that everyone is actually forced to do it my way. Like if I say the game is played this way, then all of the events we run are going to be played that way, which means I'm forcing people to play it that way. And if that way turns out to be bad, that's bad. On the other hand, Mm. players, especially right now, players are running events. I'm aware of this. Uh, And players don't have that that degree of risk. Um, Some some time ago, I've, who knows how long ago it was because this is 2020 and time doesn't matter. Um, some At some point, some pl- some enterprising players ran a no core set tournament. Uh, and that's sweet. That's cool. Would I have ever run that? No. But like for those people, that was a particularly fun and unique and fresh way to play the game. Uh, may the since it hasn't happened, I'm going to assume it wasn't a you know a blockbuster hit. But like the community community run events have way more latitude to experiment with things than I do, and so I want to just say this: community, by all means, I encourage you to experiment with unofficial events. I think um, I think experimentation with tournament structure or game rules, even in a confined unofficial way where everyone opts in like if i run a tournament with sideboards and someone wants to play but not with sideboards they just the only option they have is to not play the game ever again um whereas if a player runs a tournament with sideboards and i don't want to play i'm not obligated to play but if you want to play and you want to try out sideboards by all means you have the ability to opt in um and if that turns out to go well and players continue to play with sideboards because it turns out it's fun and you know players have ex- experimented and and have evidence of it essentially because they said we ran these tournaments and these people liked it and people are still asking us to run these tournaments then it's much more likely that I can take that seriously um so that's 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 my that's that's my answer in fact that's how I'm going to end this episode which is players uh, this is as much your game as it is mine. I wouldn't be making a card game that that allows people to build their own decks if I didn't want people to personalize their own play experience. And so if personalizing your own play experience means as a group, you all say, hey, let's play this game or let's play this tournament with an altered band list or, and you know, we changed this rule or here's a handful of errata or something like literally anything 
sky's the limit. Like, if you think it's fun, play it. This is a game. I want you to have fun. And, and thus was the birth of the Experimentation League. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, thank you so much for having here and letting me bombard you with my whiny, nerdy questions. Uh, always great to hear from you and stuff. Uh, I'm going to leave you with a little treat. Uh, tell me something about Halo that you think is cool. Do you hope it's going to be better than uh, Cyberpunk 2077? Uh, well, the fact that they delayed it by a full year means means I'm optimistic that it's going to be better than <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077, which probably needed to be delayed for a year. Uh, uh, what are some good things going on? Well, the TV show is back in development, so that's exciting. Um, and uh, I haven't read the, the most recent novel, but I just started it, and um, I hear it's really good. Um, so that's cool. And uh, obviously, the entire Master Chief collection is on PC now, so I can play it. Uh, Crossplay exists, which means I can play it with some of my childhood friends who I haven't been able to play video games with for a while because they're mostly console players and I'm not. Uh, yeah, no, things things are feeling actually very good uh, over in Halo Land. They're just moving slowly because, well, video game development moves slowly sometimes. Uh, it, it, it was when you're all working from home. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was interesting, I will admit, seeing the Xbox demo and then seeing the pretty unanimous community backlash of the visuals of this demo look terrible. And then mm. 343 said, okay, uh, yep, we that wasn't up to our standards either. There's various reasons for why you saw what you saw, but we're just going to say, nope, we're just going to do better next time. And, and, and then they delayed it to fall of 2021 because they, they mean it. We are the world where the audience can shame a studio into doing better. Just ask Sonic the Hedgehog, which... <laughs> no do, kidding. Oh, which my is God. By the way, the most popular movie of 2020. Are you for real? I refuse to believe that. <laughs> because that of be box right. office, because there's no movies oh, in 2020. Okay, 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 okay. I'll accept that as the reason. <laughs> Anyway, Tyler, uh, thank you so much for having me uh, for having me on. Yes, having me on your show. <laughs> there we go. Hang on. Wait a second. Thank you for having me on your show. I always enjoy chatting with you. I, I, I hear you. And, and Max was here for his like, yep. <laughs> Got to yeah. throw those in. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't get to chat anymore, Max. I hope you didn't like weren't burning with questions, but I do have a limited time. So it's not like I can. Talk yeah, no, I understand. I figured people want to hear you talk more for this episode than they want to hear me talk about your topics. <laughs> hey, oh, I'll ask you in the like two in the like two minutes I have left. How do you feel about the fact that there's a bunch of Shadowlands and Maho coming? Uh, I love it. <laughs> even even if it's not been a lot in my faction of crab. Uh, there's been actually quite a few that I think are very interesting for Crab and Maho and Shadowlands, uh, but I, when I can finally get together with everybody again, I plan on running a bunch of Maho decks across the various factions just for fun. Nice. Um, yeah, tell me about it. I hope we can play in person soon. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, all I can say is more Maho would be great, uh, if we get some more Black Scrolls open in the near future, uh, that would just be aces. You betcha. That's not a promise. That's just an acknowledgement. I wanted the first Black Scroll to have a big splash. So, you know, yep. there's no more Black Scrolls in in the in this cycle anyway. Okay. But, well. but there are many more Black Scrolls. I'm not going to say how many. There are many more Black Scrolls. 
There are at least what ten of them in lore. Yeah, so. I, was like, I was like, that's a that's a, fi- that's a that's a known finite quantity. Unless you're changing the lore, are you changing the lore, Tyler? Uh, no. <laughs> this lore uh, that you have are fully authorized to change. No <laughs> asterisk. Um, it's Katrina. Well, I certainly that- look forward to it. Either way, I'm definitely changing the lore, but not in the way that you think. Yeah, the lore is already 1st, changed. I- April 1st, I'm going to have Katrina come in here, ask her card game questions. I'm going to send you over to the RPG folks and talk about story all day. <laughs> Honestly, that might be fun. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had fun with the Scorpion stories we got with the fact that it wasn't Yoko Junzo just betraying everybody again. No, it's way more fun when you have a demon come attack the castle with a bunch of demon armies. Yeah. Spoilers! Hello. Oh, sorry, Spoiler. <laughs> Anyway, alright, uh, I'm gonna just rapidly go through all my end stuff. Okay, there's other podcasts and court games. Go check them out. Something, something. I'm gonna assault you if you don't give me Patreon money. Um, whoa, 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 <laughs> calm down. <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap things up. Alright. All right. Sayonara, everyone. Have a good one. Welcome, you all.